Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined, as always, by Aaron Larsoul, and this is The Hook. Man, episode number two. Yeah. Last week uh, Last week was a hit, and people people really enjoyed the show. Uh, thank you all for, for all the, the, the love for all of that. Um, I, I like starting every episode like this. Aaron, what do you, what do you have in front of you? What are you sipping on? Uh, it's a little Hennessy uh, mm-hmm. this morning, which... God, that sounds terrible. Uh, no, I mean, it's delicious, but like me drinking Hennessy at what is at 1030 in the morning or 1020 in the morning on a Friday. But, you know, we want everybody, to, we want everybody out there to this is this is happy hour. This is we're going to lead you into the weekend. Um, so go enjoy. Hang out with us. But if you are going to do so, please do so safely. I think that it's important yeah. that we give that caveat. And, yep. and speaking of weekend, so I didn't mention this last week, uh, <laughs> but on 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 the Zoom here, why do I see like blankets folded you were supposed to have you were supposed to have house guests mm-hmm. so i made fun of you for having blankets in the tucked in the corner of the zoom last week mm-hmm. why am i still have your guests not been there yet or have they not left or is it laundry day is friday always laundry day in the Irwin household it is it is normally laundry day but that's okay. not I, it so basically long story short i'm a slob <laughs> 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 I mean, you and I've been friends a long time, but as, as the show has begun, I'm learning so much more about you. So in the logistics um, of the Irwin household, everywhere else in the house, it's it's always clean. I know that I have, you know, there are rules to abide in a marriage mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. and I follow those rules. Um, and, and we we try to keep the house as clean as you can when you have a toddler. Um, yeah. However, the office is the only room that Jen almost never steps foot in. Right, that's, that's your domain? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not even like she's not allowed to. You know, we have a printer in here. So, excuse me, occasionally she will uh, hop in here and, and grab a piece of paper or something like that. And every time she does, she says, all right, we are cleaning your office this weekend. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then she forgets. <laughs> so so I, I, I don't know if I should be the the uh, purveyor of relate. Maybe we do a relationship advice segment here on, on the hook. Huh? I don't think it should come from me as a divorced guy. But one thing <laughs> I learned, <laughs> I've learned throughout my, my years on this planet and my various relationships uh, through different, uh, different, <laughs> different seriousnesses is different generally, if you live with somebody, generally the chores go to whoever can stand at least like (laughs) like if if you don't really care about the laundry and you can watch it pile up and it drives jen nuts she's gonna end up having to do it because she can't stand it little piece of relationship advice there she refuses that's not really advice i would say because like your advice your again by the way this is coming from the divorce guy so take your advice there take it with an entire package of salt (laughs) your advice is basically don't do chores the other person will do them eventually. Well, but different people in the relationship <laughs> have different tolerances for yeah. different chores. Yeah. Some people, I mean, I hate any kind of clutter or anything. So I'm always doing laundry and cleaning mm-hmm. and whatever, because I just hate it all. But if you have different tolerances, the thing you hate most, if your partner uh, doesn't hate it so much, you're going to end up doing it. Yeah. The things that you can kind of let slide that don't bother you, if they bother your partner more, you don't have to do them. What's the number one thing then that bothers you? This is interesting. Oh, I hate it all. No, no, no. I hate it all. all I, hate, it. I hate any clutter. No, I mean, like, I don't hate doing chores. No, any no, no. Clutter, yeah, dirt. Yeah. I, I'm like hyper, man. I'm like very anal about all of that stuff. <laughs> Dishes. Yeah. Clutter. Clutter, I think, is the thing I hate the most. So just, f- stuff. 
There are some things around. that bother me. I, I I would be a caveman if I wasn't married to Jeff. <laughs> like <laughs> you're going to like kill your own food. <laughs> I mean, you know, there are deer. You do in live the in backyard. Texas, yeah. So, um, actually, like the most Texas thing, we had to take Callie to the vet, and the reason we had to take her to the vet is because a deer kicked her. Like that's. Okay extremely texas i think okay yes uh, but anyway so like I, I my thing that i can't really stand is uh we have hardwood floors and if my feet like if i step on something whether it's like a, a pebble like a, the anything because you know you track in some dirt or right. you know avery drops some food on the floor if i step on something like that i can't stand it so i am pretty anal about like we run the Roomba every day. That's right. Yeah. Um, shout, shout out Roomba. I got one too. I call, him, I call him little buddy. <laughs> I, I, I love my Roomba. We got the one that like empties itself too. So I'm just oh, like peak lazy. You're fancy. Yeah. I'm just, I, I got no, yeah, I got I got lazy. Is the thing. <laughs> so am I, but I got to empty mine every day or so. Yeah. And have you, well, I don't think we're ever going to talk basketball today, but at some point, at some yeah, point, maybe do you have the thing? So, I just mentioned how clean I am because it just mm-hmm. drives me nuts. I still, I run my Roomba every single day and yeah. every day it looks like I have had like a dust fight in my room. I, I wasn't even home. I was on vacation. <laughs> how is there this much dust every single day? Well, it's because you're anal. Like yeah. I, like I don't, I don't, I won't notice stuff as much, you know, dust. We have a lot of like, you know, dark wood cabinets and stuff like that. So the dust shows up. So I, I pick up on that. And then we have like, you know, our dog uh, is is just relentlessly shedding, always shedding. It's I would, too, if I was getting attacked out. <laughs> She's out actually out going Texas wilderness. It's not it's, it's not even shedding. It's like stressful losing. Hair. Right. I would, too. She's out there battling deer and rattlesnakes. And she's been she's been gotten by a, a skunk. There are we do actually have a resident snake in our backyard that we keep on purpose to get rid of like rodents and stuff and frogs. I'm right. telling you, man, we, we live in the backwoods. Right. Um, yeah, I'll take a picture of my I've taken a few pictures, but I'll take a picture of the backyard and, and, and fire it your way. But okay. all right. Today, today show, we have a ton to get to because apparently <laughs> we already have <laughs> we have a ton of clutter. Uh, the, the NBA has cluttered our timelines with relentless day drinking in midweek drinking uh you have the minnesota timberwolves firing their president of uh basketball operations because uh he shat where he eats he uh there is uh doc rivers who won't shut up about (laughs) ben simmons you have uh vaccination issues with the brooklyn nets and golden state warriors um and and then in a fun segment I want to talk about because there's all these lists going out. I don't want to discuss like who should be ranked where. I, that there's nothing more boring to me than that conversation. But given the fact that Aaron has on hand expertise with teams and being around players as much as he has, I was curious how players and teams and coaches, um, executives, how they react to uh, the lists that go out this time of year every single year. So, and then after that, if we have time. We'll try to do a story time if we if we get to it, if we can, if we if we can. This, is a good, this was a good one if we get to it. All right. We got to try to get to it then. So the um, the first place that I want to start here is with Ben Simmons. This is where we started last week. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about him quite a bit 
because the story just keeps getting funnier to me. I, I find it really funny uh, the way that all this has gone down. It like the reason we're talking about it. And now the, the, the quote unquote new information is that doc rivers is making Daryl Morey's job incredibly difficult. (laughs) (laughs) He hopped on first take and called us all idiots basically for misconstruing a direct quote of his. Um, And then this morning, right before we started recording, he compared uh, trying to get Ben Simmons into the training facility with convincing Trump voters that the election was actually real. So somehow I don't think that's going to help. My question for you, Aaron, is like, as this is going on, I kept thinking, Daryl has to be livid. <laughs> like, <laughs> the pictures have to be pissed. And I'm wondering, like, have, have you ever worked with a coach or a player or something? Well, the last time that we spoke, uh, the, the, the podcast that we did before we decided to do this one, we right. talked about Ruben Stuttered putting his foot in his mouth in regards we talked to about, we, we not, talked about who we talked about who <laughs> the American Idol singer was yeah. Kobe well, like, what was that like season two <laughs> no <laughs> that was literally his, his big song was literally I'm sorry for I'm sorry for I think it was like in 2004 I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. sorry for 2004 <laughs> we, we are going back I mean basically uh that does oh, no, not quite but that almost goes back to my days with reuben patterson yeah who i think you mean but yeah. um, <laughs> you are getting your large black men confused one's a basketball <laughs> player one is actually a really talented singer i don't know if he's done anything since 2004 but i liked him back in the day i think he was pretty good yeah yeah uh but yeah like like how does a team take it when you have a loose cannon like that is there ever an effort to be like hey man come on <laughs> well, so I think it's different um, whether when it's a player, if it's a player or if it's an executive or if it's a coach in this case, I think, <laughs> I mean, and so for the doc part of it specifically, I'll answer your question in a second, but for the doc part of it specifically in this case, like, I think a lot of it is what is he supposed to say, right? He is trying to, I mean, we all heard him say what he said after that game seven. Yeah. We also heard Embiid say what he said. I don't know what Doc is supposed to say. And Doc kind of told on himself, I think, in, in that Stephen A. Smith interview, because he said, I never do this, meaning I never talk to the media. I don't do this stuff. <laughs> There's a reason why he did now, right? If he doesn't normally. Right. And that is like, what is he supposed to say? He is doing whatever he can do to try to say, oh, yeah, we'll, t- we'll take him back to either A, get Ben to come back. Mm-hmm. Because right now they have nothing mm-hmm. and they are better with Ben Simmons than without him or B try to rehab whatever trade value they can for him uh, or rehab his value so they can get whatever they can in trade. Um, if he doesn't come back to camp, which it, which it looks like he's not. And by the way, to clean up last week, we were talking about what the fines could be. Uh, it's 227,000 a day, a day. Per, per work day. And once, once uh, media day happens and camp opens up, the NBA considers six days a week as work days. Ooh. So he could get fined six days a week, $227,000, which is like $1.36 million a week, if that a is week. what Philly chooses to do. Um, so what do you do when you have a... I think, it, I think it kind of depends where they fall in the organization, right? Um, and what your status is in the organization. A lot of GMs, actually, part of their job is just 
cleaning up what owners say when owners talk too much. Like Bob Myers has had to do this a lot in Golden State. It happens around the league. But if you have an owner that likes to talk, um, often the GM has to kind of clean that up. If the owner is the loose cannon, and we saw Joe Lacob get get uh, fined for tampering mm-hmm. for in in talking about Ben Simmons, he claims he thought the conversation was not on the record. It clearly was, according to the reporter, yeah. uh, Rusty Simmons in the Bay. So I can It really depends where in the organization and organizational pecking order that that loose cannon falls, and who has reign over that. Who can who can reign that person in really matters also. I love that it's uh, it's that meme, right? It's the 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 uh, the handshake, right? It's like Rusty Ben handshake, Simmons getting Joe Lake of trouble. <laughs> yeah, Simmons, Simmons, yeah, right, yeah, good point. <laughs> but so yeah, I, I I always think so. I, I you know for those of you who've been listening to me for a long time, uh, you guys know that I have a PR background. I, I worked in PR, and part of my job was to train people to make these public statements. You know, I. Um, I worked with, uh, restaurant owners. I worked with, uh, law enforcement, uh, personnel. I worked with, uh, bartenders, musicians, stuff like that. And, uh, Irvine company was our biggest client. And, and we always told their people who were front facing, just, if you're gonna say anything, ask yourself, is it worth it to say this thing? What's the benefit to saying this thing? And, for us, you know, we always, if we, if we heard or if a client said something that <laughs> we would say wasn't worth it, that was always the first question. What, would, what did you have to gain right. by saying this thing? And I always wonder with, with Doc, I think like you're saying, there is something to be gained with sure. him cleaning this up. However, you got to have some tact, man. Like you can't, you can't go out and compare the guy that you're trying to convince to come back to camp with Trump voters, what are you doing? You yeah. Know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's like, and I think, I think, and the other thing too, that I, 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 I couldn't find my, I, I couldn't help myself. I was just laughing out loud at was doc saying that like, he doesn't talk to media very often. What? You're right. one of the most vocal coaches in the NBA. But I, again, I think that was him telling on himself, right? If yeah. he actually believes that the follow-up question <laughs> Who is, do you think talks more than you doc. <laughs> no, but the follow-up question, like in that specific instance, is okay. Then why now? And the yeah. answer to that is because he's trying to clean up that Simmons mess that right. he mostly started. Well, not mostly, but he certainly had a, a hand in starting. I, again, I, we talked about this last week, but I think a lot of it goes back to uh, Daryl Morey was obviously. I mean, the entire league knew that Daryl Morey was trying to trade him for James mm-hmm. Harden last year. So I think that was like kind of. The first, well, that wasn't the first part of it. The first part of it is he and Embiid have never been a good fit on the court and they've never gotten around. Like it's the, it's the, the worst kept secret in the NBA is that Simmons and Embiid fit worse off the court, even than they do on the court. They just don't, you know, they don't really get along. They tolerate each other, but they don't like each other and don't get along. So that was the first part. And then obviously Maury trying to trade him very publicly for at least publicly in NBA circles. Um, soured the relationship. And then like the final nail in the coffin was, was Doc and Embiid both throwing Ben under the bus. And frankly, Ben was terrible in the playoffs. So kind of rightfully so. Well, not rightfully so. You don't mm-hmm. say that publicly, but their, their yeah. opinions on the matter are not wrong. You just can't do that publicly. So, you know, Doc, if you never talk to the media, 
the follow-up question is very obviously, and he has a relationship with Stephen A. And Stephen A is yeah. you know, a fairly tough interviewer, but he's not gonna like not ask with his those friends. pointed questions. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so why now? Why? Because Stephen A has a big platform. Stephen A is friendly enough, so he's not gonna ask you those difficult questions. Mm-hmm. But why now? And the answer to that is because it's very obvious because of Ben Simmons' statement through through his agency. I'm not coming and I'm not, and, and I don't think Philly wants to find him. We talked about this last week because in the short term, sure. And they have no other recourse. So maybe they should. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know what they're, there's nothing they can do, but long-term does that affect your relationship with future players? Does that Mm -hmm. affect your relationship with clutch sports, which is not someone you want to mess with, not an entity you want to mess with long-term. So Philly's in a tough spot and, that's why Doc now, I never talked to the media, is going to talk to the media to try to clean this up. Yeah, I, I the clutch sports part of this is interesting. Um, I kind of wonder at some point if some team says, you know what, Rich? I want to see what y'all look like when LeBron retires. And how much longer does LeBron have? You know, because so much of, of clutch's leverage around the league is their superstar clients. And those superstar clients, I think, have uh, as much willingness to sign with them because of, you know, what it might mean to be in the agency with LeBron, you know, sure. and, and I kind of wonder that's a that's a conversation for for a whole nother day. The other angle of this that I really find um, really interesting in a in a more human sense is it feels like and there are a lot of uh, factors and 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 variables at play here, but it feels like this superstar empowerment, this trade demand era coincided almost <laughs> like to the day, it feels like, with the um, prevalence, the increased prevalence of, of analytical executives, right? And mm-hmm. executives who look at players more as assets, you know, and, and contracts and numbers that you fit into an algorithm and on the other side of the algorithm, you're basically trying to retrofit production and, and wins. And, and I kind of wonder if players kind of collectively said, no, we aren't having that. For Again, for a variety of reasons. For one thing, no person wants to be referred to as an asset. Like Nobody wants to feel like they are just a contract that can be moved at any time, no matter what it is that you're doing for a living. The other thing, too, here is, you know, before the analytical era, most of these front offices were filled with former players, former coaches. And then most former coaches were also former players. And and I, I also wonder if just in terms of shared experiences, um, if players respected former players more and if former players respected current players more or at least enough to not refer to them basically as assets. And I wonder if all of this is in, in, in you know, including or, or, or in addition to all of the other stuff that we talked about last week with, with LeBron's uh, I'm taking my t- talents to South beach, you know uh, you have, you have more players, more superstars recognizing, Oh wait, yeah, I have more leverage. Some of that might be that, but I wonder, do you think, do you, do you think, or do you see the connection that I'm trying to make there? I do. Um, I think that it goes, we were talking before we, we, we started recording about how 
smart um, NBA fans are in comparison with other, other sports. And I think that is because like if you're watch, if you're watching an NFL game and I or a football game, doesn't matter if it's an NFL, if you're watching a football game um, and I am I'm a big football fan, I am a 49ers fan and I am an obsessive Cal fan, Cal football. Mm-hmm. So I watch football very closely. I don't know what an alignment is doing, right? Like, I don't know yeah. what makes alignment good or not. And there aren't really numbers. Like, Pro Football Focus will tell you this guy gets this grade. This rating but, grade, yeah. But in basketball, there are analy- – I mean, we're still not great at quantifying defense yet in the NBA. But in basketball, there are much more numbers um, – and analytics that tell the story of the game and fans, basketball fans are much more comfortable interpreting those numbers and knowing what they mean. And it comes from baseball. Baseball did this with Bill James baseball and the and Moneyball. Moneyball baseball mm-hmm. did this, you know, probably 10 years before the NBA, but there was a time in the NBA. This is probably starting about 10 years ago where the quote unquote nerds took over, right? The yeah. analytics guys, because we started getting that data, to quantify what's happening on an NBA floor. And so there was a movement with, with Daryl Morey, with Sam Hinkie um, that went towards that. Those guys didn't do necessarily a great job of managing the relationships and building trust with the guys. And they looked at it, as you mentioned, as kind of like assets and cold, like kind of like Billy Bean did with the A's with Moneyball, mm-hmm. where we are just trying to find value in like, wherever the rest of the league is looking for, whatever the traditional eye test guys and the former players were looking for, um, they're undervalued concepts. And we're going to go towards that with the A's in baseball. It was, it was on base percentage. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the league as the Warriors started dominating, figured out the threes are worth more than twos. And then Daryl Morey tried to hyper do that in, in Houston. But the missing piece was the relationship with the players and the eye test, right? The, and if your players don't, respect you that's the problem and there are many different ways you can go about it right some of the guys like then now we're seeing more agents whether it's rob palenko whether it's bob myers leon rose in uh in in new york so and those guys seem to have an understanding of how to relate to players so that's one way to do it it's also a lot of former players whether it's uh Former players as GMs, former players as coaches, right? They, Steve Nash and Steve Kerr, that is a way to do it too, right? The players can generally relate to those guys because they have been through it before. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether and those guys Sheridan- can relate to players, like right. Steve Nash knows what it was like to be traded. Right. But, <laughs> but it also, but it also works like Frank Vogel with the Lakers, Eric Spolster is one of the best coaches in the league. You know, mm-hmm. those guys came from the video room. Yeah. So that that works also. So whether it is through shared experience and frankly, what, 80 percent of the NBA is black. So generally, you know, like old white dudes are going to have a harder time relating to the mm-hmm. guys, the players. Um, so whether it's because you have a shared experience through through being black in America, whether it's through you used to play. So you have that kind of understanding that makes it easier. But there are ways to relate to guys. And it's about earning respect, right? Like mm-hmm. when Frank Vogel came, Frank Vogel didn't play at a high level. He came up through the video room. However, when he was the coach in Indiana, he gave all those LeBron teams hell in the playoffs. Right. And so, so he immediately had LeBron's attention. He still had to earn LeBron's respect, 
but it is about earning the player's respect and being able to communicate with them. It is easier if you have that shared experience, but that is not the only way. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you use the Frank Vogel example too, because so that's how because he this starts. This is a Lakers feed, technically. Well, the, well that that too. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like kind of sort of a co- coworker, but like, um, but the reason, good, the reason by the I'm, way, he's a really good dude too. He is. It really shines with all of his stuff. I one of my favorite things to to kind of play is um, Frank Vogel hyperbole. Okay, you know, like like Frank Vogel bingo in his in his oh. interviews and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He's not going to uh, give you a lot. No, but but I do like, but I, I'm glad that you use Frank Vogel as as an example here because not only did he 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 started earning LeBron's respect with those Indiana teams, yes. but if when they were working together, LeBron didn't also see that Vogel is a tireless worker. Sure. LeBron LeBron wouldn't respect him the way that he does, you know. And they have a very good relationship, I think, because they, they relate they they relate to each other's work ethic they understand hey if i'm going to get anywhere in this league or if i'm going to have the kind of success that is commensurate with my talent i have to work harder than everybody else and i think i think here with 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 lebron and vogel that's a really important relationship and then you know i think i think vogel also tries to earn these guys respect i think one of the things that uh was was very enlightening and yet not all that surprising was the reports after the fact, after Danny Ainge stepped away from Boston, that some of the guys didn't feel like he really respected them. And mm-hmm. he didn't, he didn't, he didn't try to earn their respect. Didn't try to see them on a more human level, which is kind of crazy given the fact that Danny Ainge is a former player. <laughs> like that's sure, But Danny Ainge <laughs> is a former player, but very specifically never trades for anybody but it's it's always about the asset play for for Danny yeah. Ainge and the interpersonal dynamics and relationships really matter the guys are human beings and yes they are assets but they're also human beings and so yeah like whatever right if i didn't like you and this wasn't fun you know every, when we're going to record the show every friday i'd be like it's hard to and you mentioned it you mentioned it uh, last week it is hard to do anything well if it if you don't want to do it, right? We're yeah. talking about Anthony Davis playing the five. If you don't want to do something and it's not enjoyable, you're not going to do as well at it. So Danny Ainge did play, certainly, but it very much looks like he struggles with the interpersonal part of it. Um, and he seems to view the guys as assets. Yeah. I don't know why they never trade for anybody then, but maybe he values his assets more than everybody else's or overvalues them. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, it, that part does matter. Right. And we were talking about the, the nerds that took over the NBA. That part matters. The yes, all that money ball stuff and all the analytics matter. And that is one way to build a team. And it, and right. It worked pretty well. Like the process is over in Philly now, but it worked pretty well for Sam Hinkie. Mm-hmm. Daryl Moore is a fantastic GM. But the other part of it matters. And that's why we've seen, you know, Bob Myers do so well in Golden State. It's why we've seen Rob Palinka do really well with, uh, with, with the Lakers. It's theoretically why magic was so important for the Lakers also, right? That, like the best GMs are able to balance that you're an asset. How am I? I'm always looking to make my team better with, like, I do have to manage these guys. The, co- the best coaches too. It is X's and O's. But managing the egos and managing the personalities of the roster really matters also. And if you, I, technically, I mean, like, honestly, 
the relationship management part might even be more important. I think it's the most important thing. I, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think, yeah. I think the way th- your ability to get along with your star is probably the most uh, important factor in, in the NBA. You are a it- professional broadcaster because I know where you're going here. This segue is going to be fantastic. I know where you're headed. <laughs> you know, I think I, 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 now I'm, I'm questioning my own segue. I want to make sure I get it right. But, but some stars are more difficult to get along with others than others. And then I think uh, there are some that are just too difficult to get along with. And those are the stars that you see move around the league a bunch, right? Like Shaq was an incredible talent, but I think also kind of difficult to get along with uh, for, for executives. And you saw him move around and, and have some really ugly endings to relationships there with, with the various teams he played in. And I think that still doesn't mean that you don't want to try to work with Shaquille O'Neal, like, right. The, the, right. <laughs> like oh, yeah, you still right. got to try. <laughs> Are and, you or I Shaquille in this analogy? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably like Mike Penworthy. Like, let's be honest. Like, I'm, <laughs> like, like, like I'm, 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 White the, I'm and doughy. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm Popeye Jones. I'm, I'm one of oh. these guys that, like, you know, I'll have a, I'll have a nice long career, maybe, hopefully. Uh, but I also recognize my, my place in this matter. There's a reason why all of the, if any of you who've been paying in any attention to the way that I do things, the premise to all of my shows is I'm the guy who knows how to talk. And then I bring in the smarter person. So when I did the show with Harrison, Harrison is, is, is smarter and pays more attention to the NBA than I do. Did the show with Pete. Pete is smarter about basketball than, than I am. My show back in the day with Adam locked on NBA Adam is smarter than I am. Now I'm working with Aaron and Sabrina. Like this is, this is the thing I, and you got to know your role. You got to know what your strengths are and you got to know your role. And I think, I think that's, uh, it's that's good been advice the lesson. for basketball and good advice for life. <laughs> exactly. Stay in your um, lane, do what you do well and stay away from the rest of it. Speaking of difficult players and situations to deal with Rob Palenka yesterday, uh, in his press conference with reporters and getting ready for media day, said that all of the players and all of the team personnel uh, with the Lakers are going to be fully vaccinated by the time the season starts. And they don't, he, he doesn't think that they are going to miss any games because some of those uh, guys are not going to be uh, vaccinated. That is not the case, however, for the Golden State Warriors. That is not the case, however, for the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, they are heading into some rough terrain here, Brooklyn more so than golden state, obviously, because if Andrew Wiggins doesn't show up to, to camp or can't play in some of these games, it's not going to hurt nearly as much as it would. If Kyrie Irving is not available for those games. And, and again, I always just kind of the, the angle, anytime I'm getting ready to talk to you, Aaron, the angle is always, how would the teams you've worked with handle this kind of a situation? Obviously this is a truly unique situation all of these teams, I would imagine, have some kind of vaccination. Like you, you go through physicals, and, and and some of those vaccinations, I would imagine, come up in some of those uh, physicals. This is obviously incredibly unique because we are in the middle of a global pandemic. But I don't know where this thing goes here with Kyrie and with Andrew Wiggins. I, if if these teams and these cities, most importantly, do not lift these mandates, does Wiggins just not play this year? Does he get fine in the same way that Ben Simmons is? Because he's making a decision here 
not to show up. Kyrie is making a decision here not to do the thing that is required to be able to show up. Where do you see this thing going? I don't know. <laughs> All right. And by the way, this is not this is not where I thought you were going. When you were talking about interpersonal dynamics and people not being great at the interpersonal dynamics and people being difficult to deal with, I was certain you were going with David Griffin and Zion, but oh, maybe we'll get back to that. That's another but, good one. Now, we'll, 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 I got to find another segue to those guys. Yeah, then. we'll get back to that. The real answer is I don't know. And because, and, and by the way, I, I talked to somebody uh, yesterday, texted with somebody yesterday about some of the like league dynamics and the, and the collective bargaining agreement dynamics with all of this. And the league doesn't know what to do exactly. I mean, they're still having conversations about this because when the CBA was written in 2017, right, there was no COVID, right? So they didn't have, there are no plans in place for this. Um, The NBA is kind of just adhering to the mandates and policies of the municipalities, in this case, San Francisco and New York. So, yeah, I mean, if if Andrew Wiggins and I, I, I we always have to put the caveat out there, like everybody has their I personally think everybody should get vaccinated. I understand why people that look like me have hesitancy towards it. Um, I still think everyone should get vaccinated, but it is. And by people a, like me, you, you, black people have hesitance that about, is, about yes. vaccination. <laughs> yes. uh, well, no, we I mean, don't need we, to get too political or socioeconomic, yeah. right? But yes, I understand. I understand. However, also I, Mexican and, and Mexicans aren't exactly thrilled. Not, yeah, yeah, right. About, it, about it, ain't, it, ain't been, it ain't been great for y'all either. No. <laughs> um, it is a personal decision, but it does affect everyone else. Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, I encourage everyone to do so, but I also understand why some populations have some hesitancy. Yep, absolutely. Um, But then the other part of this is for, I I think Andrew Wiggins, and I don't know if, I don't know if Kyrie has had a public stance about it. I think the Warriors front office probably was having trouble convincing uh, Andrew to get vaccinated and decided to leak this to try to have him face a little public pressure because mm-hmm. camp is starting. He has public, he has said he's not, or at least the warriors have said he's not. I don't know what Kyrie's status is um, on it. It's been reported. I, he is also not vaccinated. Yeah. But before, but I don't know if that is. Yes. All right. So I also, so I want to like put this caveat in there. There are, there are religious exemptions. I know Andrew Wiggins is, is has applied for a religious exemption. I don't know what his faith is. I'm so part of it. I'm not in like entirely comfortable talking about it because I don't know. Right. And there are certainly, there certainly are religions, faiths, whatever, that it is not something that you do. I don't know what Wiggins story is with that. So we have to have that caveat as far as the, as far as on the floor, what, is going to happen if he is not vaccinated by October 13th, I believe it is, he is not going to be allowed to play home games. There, there is an exemption for, uh, for road teams traveling. They have to, um, there are some protocols that they have to adhere to, but it is for the home team for Wiggins in this case, playing for the Warriors. It is just specifically and Kyrie, if he is not in New York, uh, if he's not vaccinated, it is very specifically, you can't, you can't just, you can't enter the building. That is also the Warriors also practice at Chase Center. So he theoretically wouldn't be able to practice um, if he's not vaccinated. I I saw that he won't be able to do individual workouts even indoors. Correct. 
Like, yeah, correct. <laughs> so um, unless he's going to go play outside somewhere. So, but what, 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 what the NBA still needs to figure out is, so theoretically he will miss uh, 40 with the 41 Warriors home games. As it stands now, he will miss the mm-hmm. 41 Warriors home games and he will get fined. You know, you get, you get, he will get fined one eighty second of his salary. So basically he would miss half his salary money often, as we talked about with Ben Simmons um, and him possibly getting fined money has a way of changing behavior and Mm -hmm. uh, deadlines also have a way of changing behavior. I, again, I think everyone should be vaccinated, but I understand um, that not everyone is going to. But the NBA doesn't have, they don't know what to do yet. I don't, I still haven't been able, and I ask people who would know this sort of thing. I don't know if it is an NBA fine. I don't know if it is a team fine, like the Warriors would be fining him. So then when the NBA finds you, um, then you get that the NBA, the NBA finds, they go to a, a charity organization. If the team finds you, it goes back to the team. The team can give it to charity or whatever. I don't know. The NBA hasn't figured it out yet because there are not these these processes in place. Um, they're still discussing it. Um, if you would if you get suspended, then the team could get some some type of relief, whether it's salary cap tax relief. But it's not a suspension. It's it, it's an individual game by game by game thing. He's not being suspended. So I don't think anybody has a great handle on this yet. Nobody um, does. No. And again, I mean, like this is an, it's not just the NBA, by the way, like, (laughs) (laughs) right, right, right. right. The world at large and particularly this country, we do not have a great handle on this yet. Yep. What I've always found super interesting about this in regards to the vaccinations. And again, like, I don't want to get into the politics of this. Like you said, look, my mom isn't vaccinated. I try to, I've, I tried to, I've, I've tried to convince her time and time and time again, terrifies me. I've told her like straight up, Hey, like I'm preparing myself because at some point I'm, I might have to just cope with your death because of your choice right now. It is your choice, but it is something that terrifies me because I, I dearly love my mom. Yeah. It's a personal choice that affects everyone else. It affects a, a whole bunch of people. I told her like, you know, my, my daughter can't get vaccinated. So you not being vaccinated makes me really nervous for my daughter when she's around you. Um, and, and, and so like, I've had those difficult conversations and I can again, relate to everybody who have had those conversations. I don't want to talk about the politics of this because I, I, politics should have never been involved in this and they did. And it's stupid and it's frustrating as hell. All that said, what I have found interesting from the, uh, from the sports part of this conversation and the, and the competitive aspect of this look professional athletes are some of the most competitive people on the face of the planet period like those guys you have to be almost psychotic psychotically competitive in order or psychotic psychotic works too yeah you know what the cool thing about being an english uh grad is that we get to make up words so and you have (laughs) (laughs) and you have so uh, I, so I, what I've always found interesting, though, is that these guys are just incredible competitors. And yet this decision for some guys is not enough to hurt their team or avoid hurting their team. Cole Beasley has talked about this and, and <laughs> like ad nauseum uh, with both of these guys, Kyrie Irving and, and Andrew Wiggins, not being there with their team for half of their games would hurt their team, period. 
And yet it still isn't enough to get these hyper-competitive guys to, uh, to gain a competitive advantage or lose a competitive disadvantage by way of getting vaccinated. And it's so interesting to me that these guys who would, who will often say, man, I would die for my teammates. I would do whatever it takes for my teammates, my guys, my family, my brothers, all that stuff. And yet this is the, this is the line in the sand for some. And, and I just, I, I just find it endlessly interesting the, the way that that dynamic plays out. And, and again, like if you were, if you were on a team, you and I are both, uh, we both grew up as athletes. You were probably better of, uh, <laughs> than I was <laughs> maybe, maybe not, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't have the money to prove it. I have, the, I have the surgeries to prove I was an athlete and maybe better than you. I don't know. I don't bigger, have any stronger, faster guy game. is probably the better athlete. I'm yeah, just going to throw it that tends out to, there. It tends to work that way, <laughs> but like, on teams that you were on, if a teammate wasn't uh, willing to get vaccinated and it was and his choice was hurting your team's ability to compete, how would that go over? How would you how would you approach that? I mean, I think it would be and again, this is this is unprecedented. So it's kind of like hard to think back to those days and and equate something to it because this like this is unprecedented in the world at least in in the last hundred years right um so again you you kind of have to like default or at least i kind of default to and i've said this now this will be the third time like i think it's selfish um but i understand that some people's hesitancy and i try to be respectful of that I think it is selfish and selfish things do not go over particularly well in a team environment, right? Every, mm -hmm. every team environment, every NBA team is always talking about sacrifice and, and, you know, like we, we saw it with the Lakers winning the title in, in 2020, you know, the roles guys were willing to play and who was willing to sacrifice. And, and Frank Vogel has talked about it and Rob Palinka talked about it yesterday um, about how important sacrifice is going to be to this Lakers team, right? Is AD going to play more five? He doesn't necessarily want to do that. Is mm -hmm. LeBron going to play more four? He doesn't necessarily, but for team construction, that's more important. So selfishness is often the death knell and, and the death blow to, to, uh, to a team. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, Andre Iguodala with the Warriors, right? He was an all-star. Well, it's going to be better for you to come off the bench. You're going to be the sixth man. Okay. And then the Warriors win championships. So, but that is hard to convince people of. And especially like, selfishness on a basketball court and what you think your role is going to be is very different than a what people consider a, a health decision um but it is selfish right because we mentioned yeah. it affects everybody else and like the warriors are whatever you think of andrew wiggins as a player the warriors are better with 41 games of andrew wiggins than without him if yeah. kyrie is not vaccinated and he's going to be held out also because of the the protocols in in new york look the brooklyn nets are better with kyrie than without him i think that a lot of this and and i mentioned i think the 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 wiggins story came out from the warriors because i think the warriors were having trouble convincing him and wanted basically public pressure to help convince him um, but like it is on, it becomes on your teammates, right? You are making your teammates. If you're not going to be available, you are making your teammates carry a bigger burden. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I think it is, 
not incumbent upon, but I think teammates, you know, the leaders of the different leaders of the Warriors, leaders of the Nets, you know, are going to have these conversations um, with Wiggins and, and, and Kyrie because you are letting your team down. And it doesn't yeah. look like the facts are you are not going to be available for your team. Yeah, that's it. Like that's it's not it's not a matter of I'm for because it is it is a bad look for especially in in analysis of the NBA. Right. Not a great look when a predominantly white faction of people are telling a predominantly black faction of people go and get this shot. Like That is not a great look. What you can say, though, is like you're saying it's hurting the team if you don't. You know, that is true. That is objectively true. It is not yes. me telling them, hey, you got to go do this because it's the right thing to do societally. Is It is more, nope, this is what's the right thing to do for your team, for your teammates. And 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 like you're saying, it's, it's, it is a choice, but it is also a selfish one. Um, Can we <laughs> stop is, talking about it? <laughs> yeah, there is no segue. There is no segue right. here for, for where we're going next. And we're going to lighten up the mood here. Uh, oh, there's my segue. We're going to set a different mood in the way that David Griffin was trying to set a mood for Zion <laughs> Williamson by reportedly playing the piano for him. Christian Clark was the person who wrote the article. It was a great article uh, about the entire situation there in New Orleans. And David Griffin's uh, tenure there to this point has been rocky, I would say. I, I would, I would, you know, it's a fair characterization. I would say yes. Yeah, it's, it's the uh, it's the Sylvester Stallone of ten years as GM to this point, and and like I'm looking at it not just from the perspective of like what does this mean for the Lakers? Well, obviously, if Zion Williamson becomes available because of how rocky this has been, that obviously would be interesting for the Lakers. Uh, I wonder what a what a front court of Zion and AD would look like. And we could analyze that, and there's going to be time to analyze that whenever that time comes. I basically just want to have a little bit of fun here because there was as a part of those reports <laughs> the, the factoid that David Griffin was playing the piano for Zion Williamson as a means to apparently I don't even know. I don't know what I mean. I mean, generally when you play the piano for someone, it is a means to woo them. <laughs> I don't know if you've like played a uh, guitar or taken a boom by. Have you ever, I mean, obviously before Jen, because uh mm-hmm. You know, you and your lovely wife, this has been rock solid for all of these years. But before that, did you ever like take any sort of musical instrument or uh, look how old I am? I said boombox because that's like what yeah, you used to do back in the back day. In the day. You put it on yeah. your shoulder. And mm-hmm. then did you ever have to like use any of your musical abilities to woo any or try to get them to come back? As it looks like David Griffin was trying to do because I think he obviously <laughs> thought that. And by the way, the, the like, the out of touchedness can I'm not an English major. Am I allowed to make up words? No, that's, the out of that's touch. Good. The out of touchedness uh-huh. of a 48 year old white dude playing the piano for a 21 now. What a 20 year old, a 20 year old brother like he's playing the piano for. Like how out of touch do you have to be to think that is what is going to swing him to your side? What? How out of touch is he? Yeah, I that's, love that's that the you most were- fascinating part of this. I love that you went to brother there. Like it really hammers home. It yeah, really yeah. hammers home. I mean, it, it, David so Griffin is a, a, a middle-aged white dude from Phoenix is playing the piano for a twenty-year-old brother from North Carolina. What is going on? How did he? 
That is if, if I if I if I own the New Orleans Pelicans, and by the way, we have no idea who owns the New Orleans Pelicans. I think the Saints own the Pelicans. Yeah, it's like the Benson family. Right. Gail Benson. Right. The dumbest arena name is actually Talking Stick Resort Arena in Phoenix was the dumbest one. Now Smoothie King Arena in New Orleans. Well, it used to be Sleep Train. That was the worst one I thought ever. <laughs> but like that would be the most good, even whatever you think of his of his roster construction and moves and and uh, in a second, I want to talk about if we relate it to the Lakers, what teams do when they're trying to beg a superstar to say whether it's Anthony Davis and how bad of an idea that is Anthony Davis or LeBron. See, look at that Lakers connection. <laughs> but despite all the moves that Griffin made, has made, whatever you think of him, I think the most concerning thing for me, if I was Gail Benson and the Benson family who really only care about the Saints and, and, and not the Pelicans, I think it would be that my GM thinks the way to relate to one of his players <laughs> is to play the piano for him in the bubble. You're paying a guy for his judgment, and that was his judgment call. <laughs> that is that is concerning. That is certainly is that a why? I mean, look, I've, <laughs> see every week that we do this, I'm gonna like try to figure out ways to say not. stuff and not get myself in trouble. <laughs> um, and Zion left the bubble to um deal with a family emergency mm -hmm. that's not what the nba at large thinks he mm. just went home because he didn't like the food in the bubble and uh, didn't course. like that there were no girls there <laughs> maybe he didn't have a family emergency but that is not what the nba at large thinks mm -hmm. did i did i dance around that well mm -hmm. enough mm -hmm. um i don't think we, we still the, the nba at large so you're safe the you nba at large literally thinks he just went on vacation because he didn't like the food and wanted to hang out with girls he went back to new mm -hmm. orleans um but there is a joke in he wanted there. to play the piano for girls there is definitely a joke god his video did you see that video when he was at duke about him like facetiming there was no. a girl he was facetiming it was the corniest shit i've ever seen in my life yeah, like sense. you're zion how are you this is your game this it was so corny anyway I think there is like a joke there that the reason he left the bubble was because he wanted to escape David Griffin's piano, <laughs> piano playing. And by the way, when I was looking, I was looking at something when we were like getting my notes together for this. Um, and I wanted to find out how old uh, David Griffin was and where he, where he grew up 48 currently in, in Phoenix um, on his Wikipedia page, it says, quote infamous pianist now on his wikipedia page i wonder how long it'll take for that to get changed um but there's definitely the joke that he was he left the bubble yeah. specifically no, I mean, to get I away would. from that if if like michael if you're listening if you ever decide like if i if if somebody else comes calling and you decide that the 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 move to keep me at box is to play the piano for me it's not gonna end well man Although it depends on what you're playing, and, and like that gets us to the game that we're going to play here with David, David Griffin playing the piano. What do you think you like? Because this is the thing: there is a there's a 27 year old uh, age difference here. They yes. grew up on opposite sides of the country. Yeah. They uh, obviously one dude is black, the other is white, and yes. <laughs> like what? What could they? What could he possibly have in common there? It's not like he's playing Drake, right? So that's <laughs> so. I think that is the fascinating part. And by the way, as we're as we're recording this, you'll hear this in a couple hours. But um, Avery Bradley has agreed to a deal with the Warriors, who I, I know was a oh, possible target theoretically for for some Lakers fans out there. But that is the thing exactly. 
like and first of all like even even if david griffin knew better and was like i know what zion is listening to he's playing the fucking piano <laughs> like there's not like, you, you don't have a lot of options if you're playing the piano right you can't really play the stuff i'm listening to that's not going to translate on the piano no so that eliminates a whole segment of a whole genre many An entire genre music, in fact so although I it's even better up- if he's trying to like slow play like if he's on if he's on the piano and he's trying to slow like sing rap lyrics that makes it so much better. It makes I mean, it I'm so much kind of, more. I'm better. actually kind of into that. That might convince me of anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. actually kind of into that. I, yeah, if the right person is doing it, I don't think David Griffin is the right person. Uh, it would like I don't know Griff particularly well. From all indications, are he's a good dude, and he is. He yeah. is. Uh, he has battled back from cancer. Oh three no, times. I'm, I'm not. I don't even mean that. But like, so in, I don't. But I. So I don't know him that well. But from what I do know of him, other than he's just a really good dude. Yeah. He would not be my choice to. <laughs> Never mind. Try to pull that off. Yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> but I did. I, I, just because when when you said you wanted to talk last night, you're like, we got to talk about this Griff thing, and I'm like, all right, fine. I did come up with a few songs that I think. Oh hell yeah! All right. I have a, I have a few guesses as to what maybe he played, and this is with the caveat: he obviously is not playing. Hmm, he's not playing anything that um, requires any fast pace, any beats, right? Because it yeah. just isn't going to translate on the piano. So my my supposition is he's playing things from more of his era. So I've got two songs from '84 and one from 1977. <laughs> more his era it's not exactly zion's era of his music listenership but uh a number so i'm gonna do these in reverse order all right and and part of this is because they're gonna translate theoretically on the piano um and part of it is because of the the lyrics of the song i i think i think it is a definite possibility that he went careless whisper george michael 1984 Ooh. Guilty feet have got no rhythm. I'm never going to mm-hmm. dance again the way I dance with you, right? He's trying to... <laughs> I'm not going to sing. I'm going to, like, speak to her. I'm not going to sing here. This would be bad. I mean, careless whisper, like, he's, the, you know, some could describe his his moves as GM as kind of careless, right? So it kind of it, it kind of fits. It works. All right. The uh, So number two, <laughs> the band Player. This is 1977. Okay. Baby, come back. <laughs> You can blame it all on me. I mean, he hasn't quite left yet, but he's like, he's he's putting it out there, you know, just in case. Uh, also, like, that's probably more Griff's era than Zion's era. It's 77. Yeah. That's actually yeah. the year I was born. I just told him myself. Um, and then my third one is kind of cheating because the first one was from 84, George Michael. This one is also 84 and it's Wham!, which is included george michael Mm -hmm. wasn't only george michael but included george michael wake me up before you go go (laughs) do you think zion woke him up the next morning and said hey man i gotta go like the the, the, the next morning like i kind of don't want to get out of this bubble man you did that i just can't see you anymore i kind of don't want to make fun of him because like he theoretically was tending to a family emergency. However, yeah. I think Griff does want to be woken up before uh, 
before Zion maybe just takes his qualifying offer and doesn't he. agree to an extension. <laughs> maybe. I love that though. He's just like, hey man, just let me know. Just let me know if you're gonna go. Wake Come me up on. before you go go. <laughs> That's awesome. Because I ain't planning on going solo. Do you have any musical talents? I don't. I no, have zero. zero. No, no, I'm zero. I'm a decent None. dancer, but I am not. Uh, I am not musically talented. I, you know what? Most people listening won't know. Pete is actually very musically talented. He is. Plays, yeah, yeah, he's he very is. good on the guitar. Was in a band once. Um, mm-hmm. He told me. All mm-hmm. right, I actually have his album in my desk somewhere. I'll find it. All right. If so, you play any second of that, he will never forgive you. By the way, never. Ever. I will I want I can't even tell the band's like I can't even say the band's name. I won't no, do that. Don't me. don't do that. No, don't do that. All right. Uh <laughs> the last topic here before we get to show uh, story time. The NBA right now is in that stretch where uh bosses and editors and producers are asking their writers, podcasters, TV personnel, give us anything about the NBA. That will stir up a conversation. You know, it's a great way to stir up a conversation is forming a list and putting people in a list that people can yell at each other about different players uh, placements on the list. What's always interesting, though, is when players, you know, we see this with 2K ratings, for example, Mm -hmm. players always have something to say. And it's almost never like I'm still waiting for the one time a player comes out and says, you know, my rating a little high. (laughs) <laughs> yeah my jumper ain't that good like i'm still waiting for that one right. but <laughs> where we are right now <laughs> the nfl guys with madden i'm not that fast <laughs> yeah. I, i'm a 93 speed nah man. you should have put me at like an 84 i'm not that fast so i'm wondering though like you know again you you, you worked with the portland trailblazers did some work yes. with the warriors stuff like yes. that you've been around yeah. these teams Yes, I know that like, like, you left out the Lakers on a Lakers podcast. That's funny. Well, I, I well, I'd say that that's implied with every okay. every episode. Okay. So you you spend a lot of time around all of these players, a lot of time Indeed. around coaches, execs, all of these team personnel. And I'm always I'm always curious. I would imagine players acknowledge their rankings in this list. But to what extent? Like, to, do how we know they care at least enough sometimes to tweet about it but like does it does it drive them insane like does yes. have you <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yes no the answer is yes teams yeah. don't care um gms and scouts and etc cetera, etc cetera. presidents of basketball operations owners don't care at all yeah but the players do and players will two things players will generally use whatever they can find for motivation, right? Anytime yep. Kobe was a master at this, um, LeBron is, Michael. Jordan, etc. They will use, especially when you're that good, right? You need things to fuel that fire. All that work that you do. And those guys, a lot of them, a lot of that work comes from anger. It comes from feeling slighted. And sometimes you just have to make that up. You need an enemy. Yeah. You need, you need a, a villain and something to work against when you're getting up at four o'clock in the morning. You need something to burn to make you do that. And so for a lot of the guys feeling slighted or you know, they have to play mind games on themselves, they have to trick themselves into doing that because that fire requires fuel. And so for a lot of the guys, 
some of that fuel is they, they'll they'll find slights anywhere, whether it's LeBron, you know, doing the wash king, he's too old or he got injured a couple of years ago before um, in his first year with the Lakers guys need. Yes. So, but you, and you've seen, right. You've seen with LeBron. Now the narrative is that the Lakers are old and all the old guys and mm-hmm. LeBron got hurt again. Maybe is father time finally catching up with him. I kind of doubt it um, because both of those injuries, especially last year's, was kind of just a, it wasn't like a wear and tear injury. It was Solomon Hill dove into his leg. Mm-hmm. But LeBron is going to use those things to motivate him, right? Mm-hmm. It was the washed king hashtag. Um, I'm taking credit it for was, that. <laughs> it was uh, John Ireland actually has a really great story about uh, Kobe when Kobe tore his Achilles. Um, and he kind of knew. Um, after the game, he was, he was, uh, Ireland asked him a question about it and Kobe immediately like at Ireland specifically said, Oh, you don't think I can come back from that. So he had to create a narrative. He had to create an, and it's something to work against something mm-hmm. to fuel him for his rehab. Right. And, and Ireland had to be just the guy that happened to, to wear it that day. Well, so players also- absolutely care. And they also, the other thing is they, every NBA player not every, almost every NBA player is going to tell you they don't pay attention to anything that's said about them. They don't read it. They, they're not listening to it. It's all nonsense, bullshit. Yeah. Every NBA guy knows exactly what is said about him. They are paying attention to all of it. Some guys, it, it harms, right? Some guys take it personally and it messes with them. And some guys take everything that is said and use it as fuel to work harder, outwork the next guy to prove somebody wrong. Yeah. I, the, we see this in comedy, right? Where a comedy, a comedian has an edge, you know, as they're coming up through the comedy ranks and their early stuff, when they hit their stride, those first couple, they have like a couple specials that are just incredible. Right. And Mm -hmm. then they get successful, they get money Mm -hmm. and it gets more difficult to maintain that edge. Right. It like there, there, there are a few yes. better ways to ruin a comedian's career than pay them because <laughs> right. right. it gets more difficult to, to be angry. Like a lot of comedy comes from places of anger. And, and I think we see this with some players, right, where their entire lives they have been doubted. You are up against almost insurmountable odds to make it to the NBA. I think it's something along the lines of like one out of every nine like i think it's like nine million people who play basketball make it to the nba it's it's something outrageous right and and it's like then you get there and for a lot of the a lot of athletes for basically all of the truly great athletes they have to find that motivation that doubt all over again so they wind up manufacturing it not very many people actually doubted michael jordan not very many people actually doubted LeBron James. Uh, not very many people actually doubted Kobe after, after those guys won a little bit. And so they have to find that edge. They have to find that fire. And, and you know, in a way, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like, right? Like, wasn't there, when in the last dance, we were all, during the pandemic, we were all stuck at home and begging for basketball content. And there was a last dance. And Jordan, I don't remember, maybe it was- uh, George Carl. It was George Carl was like at the restaurant and didn't say what well, didn't hi to say him or anything. Right. He was like, what? He goes, oh yeah. On purpose. Gonna, right. You're going to get this. Right. Like, oh, you're not going to, okay. You, you're about to get this. Right. George Carl. You have to. 
George Carl didn't say anything to him because he didn't want to give him any ammunition. Like it was a conscious decision. But that, but that is, but that is <laughs> it exactly. That is the genius of it. Is no yeah. matter what it says, yeah, you can use it. Right? These guys are so hyper focused. You can turn anything that anybody does or do, doesn't do, or anything that somebody says or doesn't say. You can twist it into motivation. Yeah. Right. Like I, when I am worried about my when I'm trying to lose weight, here's what I do. I get on the scale all the time and I play a game with myself. If I like what the number says, I say, yeah, this, this is working. Redouble your efforts. If I don't like what the, uh, you slob, you lazy, <laughs> you better get to work, right? Yeah. So you can use whatever the number on the scale is. These guys, you say something, okay, I'll use that. You don't say something, okay, I'll use that. Yeah. Jay and they're all a- lying to you. When they say they don't, they're not paying attention to newspapers and online and podcast they're all lying oh yeah i will um one of the things that has been kind of funny over the years of doing this is the various ways that people who work you know in pr for the various teams will reach out and say hey man saw your article saw your pod coach over there saw your pod player over there saw your pod and uh, and it's always funny when that happens because they'll they'll deny till they're blue in the face that they saw that stuff. Oh, I don't hear that outside noise. I I I I wear these noise canceling Beats headphones. Like I try to I try to isolate doing, myself. We're doing product placement completely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, Sazerac, get at me. Um, but so like if <laughs> <laughs> if they if they if they say that, I always kind of chuckle because it's like no, I you know you've been you've been outed. I have been informed that the thing that I said ruffled some feathers and to a certain extent, like that's kind of my job is to, to ruffle feathers, not of the, of the team or whatever that I'm covering, but people have to have a reaction to the things that I'm saying. And so that's how, that's how this game is played. And honestly, I think it's cool. Like it's, it was funny. It was funny to hear people kind of hold it against LeBron where, uh, you know, people say, you know, with the wash King thing, Nobody is actually doubting you, LeBron, is the thing that I always say, right? Nobody actually, you know, nobody actually feels this way. And LeBron gets, you know, kind of made fun of for the exact thing that we celebrate Michael Jordan for. The exact same thing. Michael Jordan literally created from zero words from George Carl that George Carl disrespected him. And we all say, oh, my God, that is so cool. (laughs) Michael is so cool. And then, you know, when, when LeBron does it, when Kobe does it with an athlete that you know, someone doesn't like, does it? God, that's so lame. So corny. What are you doing? No, yeah, but, then, but then when that's the reaction, guess what? Yeah. Now you can use that. It's even more motivation. Correct. Great. All right. You spoke about uh, Michael. We have a few minutes here at the end of this pod to, uh, to do a little story time here. The story from last week, if you guys didn't uh, hear that episode already, which you should have, but just in case you haven't, Aaron told the story of the time that he was ready to fight Shaquille O'Neal. That's all I'm giving you. That's okay. all I'm saying yeah. that you guys got to listen for the rest of the episode here or that episode to, uh, to catch that story. This episode, Aaron, you've been promising uh, is, is a good one. So I'm just going to get out of the way. Okay. So this is uh, 2019 summer league, 2019. And um, the Lakers don't have any guys of consequence that are going to play in summer league. Right. So the years before that, it had been like 
Alonzo is going to play in summer league. So I'm going to go cover summer league. In fact, I think you and I hung out in 2018 at summer league, 2018. I think you and I hung out. Um, but in 2019, the Lakers didn't really have anybody that was, was going. So I was not going to go. I wasn't going to do any shows there. So I wasn't going to go. Mm-hmm. And I get a call or maybe a text from, um, from Stacy Kennedy, who is really close friends with, with Jeannie and who I am now pretty close with. And she says, are you going to summer league? Jeannie and I are going to be there. And I said, I don't know. And she said, well, come hang out. And I go, all right, fine. Like that, <laughs> that was convincing to me. Mm-hmm. So I end up going to summer league and uh, was this a summer league that you and I were up till like three in the morning playing video poker at, I think that was the year before. I mean, maybe, I think that was 2018. You and I were up till all yeah. of my, all of my summer leagues are a blur at this point. For I mean, that but, exactly. maybe, but by the way, maybe <laughs> <laughs> right? if, if, if you, if, if you spent five seconds trying to convince me that was 2019, I would go, hey, maybe you're probably right. I don't know. As yeah. I take another sip. <laughs> yeah cheers so so uh i end up going to summer league kind of last minute and uh i come in on sunday and monday i get a text saying uh uh from from stacy saying uh Jeannie and i are going to a tequila thing are you down today are you down and i'm like yeah let's go so five o'clock she said five o'clock meet us at the bar so i go meet him at the bar in the wind, have a couple beverages. We're drinking mm-hmm. pretty good. And then, um, the car comes, grabs us and we go. And I, again, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so the car takes us to the Thomas and Mac center, like a back place in the Thomas and Mac center so that we can, um, go to the Lakers and warriors summer league game. Mm-hmm. We very quickly tell the driver that is not what we're here for. And we are actually not going to the game. <laughs> So, uh, take us to the Aria. So I, I still, right. Don't know. have no idea what I'm doing. And, uh, Jeannie and Stacy are giggling like, Oh, we told Mike, you guys are going to be best friends. And I'm like, Hey man, like, can you let me in on the secret here? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know who Mike is. What is going on here? So we end up getting to the Aria, go through all these little checkpoints. We go up to the whatever floor in these suites. And Jeannie has started, uh, I learned as I'm this with some, with some other people, I started Sincoro, the tequila brand, and they are doing a unveiling of their bottle. Mm-hmm. So I'm there, I'm drinking a lot of Sincoro. There's Sincoro, a, get at me. <laughs> that's right. Sincoro that's right. and Sazerac, get at me. Everybody. Yeah. So I'm, so we get up to this thing and I'm, I'm like, okay, well, there's tequila and there's tastings of all the different, the, the, um, the Blanco, the Reposado, the Anejo, the extra Anejo, and we're just drinking. There's like food and whatever. So I'm just hanging out, drinking, um, meeting people that I have no business meeting. It's a, it's a great time, right? You know, we see the bottle, they unveil the bottle. They, they haven't quite launched yet. And, and we're seeing the bottle. Oh, this is great. Uh, Stacy ends up pouring me the extra Anejo, which is like $1,500 a bottle. She ends up pouring me a champagne flute full of extra Anejo. So I'm just pounding drinks. Um, And eventually there's kind of a buzz in the room. This is like an hour or so after the thing has started. And uh, in more ways than one. Yeah. Right. So Stacy's like, Hey, come with me, come with me. And they've, they've done a thing. There's like a, 
a thing that when you walk in, they like don't take any pictures, right? They don't want to. I assume it's because of the bottle. They don't want like any pictures of the yeah. bottle coming out before they can do their their full release. So I'm like, all right. She said, bring bring your phone. And I go, okay. She walks up and I'm like, what am I doing? And again, like I'm, and you can see all this on my Instagram. Same as my Twitter at Aaron Larson. All of this is on my Instagram. You can, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm also like bordering on drunk at this point. <laughs> and I'm like walking <laughs> up, I'm, I'm walking and I have no idea what I'm doing. And all of a sudden I'm walking up and I go, wait a second. Hold that's on. Michael. That's Michael Jordan, <laughs> <laughs> who is who is an investor along with Jeannie and, and some other people uh, in Sincoro. And I have been around famous people a lot in my adult life. Right. I've worked in the mm-hmm. NBA a lot. And so none of it phases me. Except Michael yeah. Jordan. Yeah, that's that's, a, that's, that's Michael Jordan. <laughs> Hi, Michael Jordan. <laughs> so Stacy like comes up and he's like, hey, hey like take it. Oh, remember I told you this is the guy. I was like, hold on. You were telling me I was going to be best friends with Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> and so Jordan says, so I, I take a couple pictures and then uh, Stacy's like, oh, let me take pictures with you and him. I'm like, oh, okay, Michael Jordan. So again, on my Instagram, there's like pictures of me lovingly gazing at Michael Jordan. Michael, um, Michael is great at making you feel like you're the only person in the building when you're talking to him. He is outrageously charismatic but yeah, yeah go on so he goes uh he goes oh, hey Aaron and I'm like hi Michael Jordan I hear like you like to you like to play cards I, go, I do like to play cards Michael Jordan <laughs> he goes hey, I gotta take my I gotta take my wife uh to go get something to eat but do you want to uh you want to play you want to play some cards later Oh no! Did Michael Jordan clean you out? No, we were playing blackjack. Okay, okay. blackjack. I'm like, I guess so, Michael Jordan. I would like to play <laughs> cards with you. <laughs> so he goes, takes his wife. I have these pictures, obviously, and like, I literally put on uh, on my Instagram, like, ladies, get get you someone that looks at you the way I drunkenly look at Michael Jordan <laughs> in a tequila right. tasting. Uh, so uh, he leaves, and we end up. Uh, me and a bunch of people, we end up going to get going to eat at Javier's at, in Aria. Um, and I'm gonna leave Stacy alone. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak on Stacy there. I'm gonna leave her alone. But yeah. So then I go and uh, play a little blackjack with Michael Jordan. I'm like, is it okay if I play fifty dollars a hand while you play fifty thousand dollars a hand, Michael Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> so that and then we smoke cigars. So that is the time. Wow. I smoked cigars and, and drank played and played blackjack with Michael Jordan. And th- uh, there are two people on planet earth that I've ever been starstruck by. He is one. And then uh, Denzel, I am the other, a bunch oh, of, no. you are in fact the okay. other. That's why I have to drink so much to keep myself <laughs> calm while we do this. Uh, Denzel comes to Lakers games. And so I've had the opportunity yeah. to meet Denzel a couple of oh, times. Oh my God. That's the only two guys, but I got to play cards and drink and smoke cigars with Michael Jordan. I have a Michael story. I have a Michael story and I'm no, you know what? I'm going to save it for next episode. Okay. That's called the, uh, in, in this business, we call it the tease. Yeah, that was, I told I called you a professional broadcaster (laughs) earlier in the show. You, (laughs) you have, you've proved me right again. Yeah. I think none. It's like the, 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 um, Luke Skywalker meme. It's, it's astonishing. None of the words you just said are true. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, that's going to do it for this episode and this week's episode of The Hook and all of the podcasts here at the Silver Screen and Roll Feed. Make sure you guys are subscribing, rating, reviewing. Uh, I want to give a genuine thank you, just show genuine appreciation for all of the love for this episode and for the feed in general since I've uh, taken over here at Silver Screen and Roll. Uh, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. It's going to continue. That fun is going to continue now with actual basketball to, to potentially Ooh. discuss Ooh, here. Let's get it. Starting next week, I would imagine. So make sure you guys hang with us again. Hit that subscribe button. And we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one, everybody.